0: Luke, the 16th chapter is where we're going to draw our text from today. Thank you, worship team and musicians. Thank you so much. Many of you remember Mike and Linda Howard. Mike and Linda, of course, are, are faithful here at Victory Church. Mike and Linda, Mike served on the church board for a number of years, but Mike had a brother. His name was Larry Howard. He wrote a lot of Christian music and actually uh, uh, ministered in prisons with Chuck Holson uh, over and over again. A lot of, won a lot of people to Jesus. Uh, But Larry, Mike's brother Larry, passed away, uh, uh, I don't know, more than a year ago. But Larry's wife, Peggy, uh, Peggy passed away this past week when in the presence of the Lord. So remember the Howard family and uh, pray that God will give them uh, strength. Liz uh, Higgs, Liz Higgs was a huge radio personality. She was a a bad girl image. She was wild in every sense of the word. She was with the Howard Stern radio station. Howard blasted out of there. And I don't know if you can get any more reckless or bad than Howard Stern and some of the things are nasty than what he says and still says in many occasions. But uh, he was in the morning and Liz was the one on the afternoon, and she was a wild child. She'd been hurt by men and had no hope in relationships, and she became incensed to the degree she considered herself a militant feminist. I mean, she hated men and airwaves just picked it up to the degree that Howard told her one time publicly, you know, Liz, you really do need to clean your act up. I mean, in other words, for Howard Stern to tell somebody else they need to clean their act up, she had to be a bad, bad girl. And so it is. And she had one thing, though, in her, in her life that uh, had been uh, a constant, and that was her girlfriend. Her girlfriend, of course, had been her girlfriend since high school, middle school. And she was a Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, she would always, when they would see one another and the times they'd go to dinner, her girlfriend continually invited Liz, you need to go to church with me, you know, just come at least once. Liz, I don't have time for that. I don't believe in all that. And she'd use some expletives and et cetera, et cetera. But, but her friend, her girlfriend just kept encouraging and said, please go. Liz said one day, hey, in order, you know, if, I, if I go with you to church just one time only, will you just please shut up about it? And her girlfriend said, absolutely. I'll be quiet about it. You go with me once. Well, this militant feminist who hated men goes to church with a girlfriend. The girlfriend has been praying and said, God, convict her. You know what the pastor's subject was? Wives, be subjective to your husband's. Obey them in all things. You see, what we need to know—that's the only scripture that far too many men know. That one and that one only. The girlfriend thought, "Oh dear, Jesus!" I mean, just—I mean, Liz sat there through the rest of that message, sitting on this side and then sitting on that side, crossing her legs, opening her legs, and stretching them out. I can't wait to get out of here. Until the pastor finally got to the second part, and husbands present yourselves to your wives and sacrifice yourself even to the point of death as Christ did the church. Well, buddy, old Liz liked that. She thought, wow, <coughs> this is unbelievable. She uh, turned over to her girlfriend and whispered and said, hey, she said, if I could find a man that would be willing to die for me, she said, I'd, I'd, I'd respect that man. I'd get a hold of him. And boy, that door opened hugely. The girlfriend thought, oh, yes. She whispered back to Liz, well, there is a man who died for you, who gave himself for you. Liz said, really? Where is he at? The girlfriend said, his name is Jesus Christ. He is the son of God. And I can prove it right here in the book that he died just for you. Liz thought, wow, I can't, I can't believe that. And she got up and they left, of course. Girlfriend kept praying. But there was something that Liz received that she couldn't get rid of. And it's that little thing that we call conviction. Conviction is the love of God and identifying a need in our life that God would desire to fix. She could not get away. She remembered it. She'd get on the air and she'd be in the middle of something, and all of a sudden she'd begin to feel that little conviction taking place. Finally, I can tell you that she was so popular, her ratings were sky high. But finally, the day came. She did go back to church. Then she went back to church again. And finally, she made that commitment. Okay, if that man died for me, here I am. I'm going to give my heart and my life to him. She gave up all the DJ jobs that she had. She became a follower of Jesus Christ. You can Google her today, Liz Higgs. And what you're going to find out, she is a Christian author. She is a Christian speaker. She is an individual that travels worldwide, the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, let's just reduce it down to one simple truth. A girlfriend would not give up in continuing to invite her friend to church. That's it. Now, this message today I don't think even those of you who can hardly sit in your seats, sometime, I don't think you're going to shout me down today. It'd be all right if you said amen. Matter of fact, let, let me hear you say amen so I know you can do it. Amen. amen. That's good. I didn't hear you up there, balcony, so let's give the balcony another chance on three. One, two, three. Amen. amen. Now, I know you can do it, but you're going to get real quiet because the message really is to us today. It's a message, of course, that once again re-identifies and challenges us to be certain to do what God has called us to do as individuals, individual followers of Jesus Christ. And has to do with, of course, evangelism. Evangelism is nothing more than sharing your testimony. Sharing your relationship with Jesus to other people. I did that this morning at McDonald's. Came through the line. Lady said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm in the assurance business. (laughs) Now you know they're listening if they say, what's that? If they don't ask what it is, you assume they thought I said insurance business. Big difference. I said, the assurance. What's that? She said, are you a preacher? (laughs) I said, yep, I am. Where? I said, church down by the interstate. She says, only one church that I know down by the interstate. I said, which one is that? That's Victory Church. I said, that's where I'm at. You're at Victory Church? Real? Really? I thought, what's wrong with me? <coughs> what's wrong with me? She said, what time are your services? I thought a minute, and I said, well, we have one. You know, it starts, uh, starts early in the morning, at 10 o'clock we have another one or nine o'clock. We have another one at 1045. I said, we have another one at six o'clock. We have Wednesday night at 630. She said, well, I have to work on Sunday. I said, Hey, so do I, but I still make it. She said, well, I don't know if I'm able to, I said, well, listen, we also have funerals and weddings. You can come to any of those if you like, you know, my goal is just get her here to hear some kind of a message. You come to a funeral, come to a wedding, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She said, you know what? I got a friend that goes to your church. She called that friend's name. Do you know her? I said, I absolutely do. I said, you know what department she works in? No, I just know she works down there. I said, here's the department she works in. I told her. She said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come to the church. I said, okay, I want you to come to the church. I said, and when you get there, you better give me a great big old hug. She said, I will, but you better remember me. five foot two eyes are blue she didn't look anything she said i look different outside this uniform i take this hat off i want you to know you ain't going to recognize me well why do you want to put me under that kind of pressure if you don't look like you do now i won't ever recognize. what what is that what is that it's it's beginning to build relationships with people I fly to Springfield, Missouri about four or five times a year. I go to the same Holiday Inn Express. Now, being with that organization, they say, Pastor, why don't we put you up in the Hilton? Why don't we put you up in a, in a more simple, why don't we put you up where they serve dinner and lunch? And they have, I've, I don't want to go to any of those. They called and told me that this past week. They asked Renee, why doesn't he want to go? Renee said, I can tell you the answer. He builds relationships with the people there. And when he builds relationships with them, every time he's there, he talks to them a little more about Jesus Christ, about their life, ask about their kids. In other words, what he's doing is endeavoring to touch them for Jesus Christ on a consistent basis. How many know that it has to be a part of your lifestyle to make a difference in the lives of individuals? Can you say amen there? All right, we got an amen going. We're about to cook something up here now. So here it is. In that situation we live the kind of life. It's through the power of evangelism. And that is our calling. Do you know that the stats say that the uh, 2%, only 2% of those that are Christians, professing Christians, ever win anybody to Jesus Christ? There was a young salesman and buddy, he lost the sale of the week. I mean, it was a big sale. He was going to make it. He didn't make it. And he went to his manager, and he said, I'm just down. I'm depressed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what that feels like. I was cashing in already. And he told the manager, he said, you know what? I guess it's true. You can, you can lead the horse to the trough, but you can't make him drink. And the manager said, wait a minute. It's not your job to make him drink. He said, what do you mean? He said, your job is to make him thirsty. He said, if you make them thirsty, they'll drink on their own. How many can say amen? You know what our goal is? Is to have such a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that that vertical passion is shown to everybody we meet. And those individuals get thirsty for the same joy and the same favor and the same blessing that we have. Come on and give another good amen out there. We make them thirsty. We make them thirsty by the grace of God. Our lives should be that full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why is evangelism important? Because you got somebody that you know, love, and trust that's going to die and go to hell. If we don't evangelism, whose responsibility yet? It turned to your neighbor and say, it's yours. And it's mine. It's our responsibility. Howard Hendricks said, and I quote, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. When people are asking for answers, they want to know the truth. We stutter. We stutter. Well, what does Hollywood believe? It's amazing that those people are not ashamed to share what it is that they share. Let me just give you a few names. Here's one, Oprah Winfrey. One of the biggest mistakes, she says, humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God according to this book, that's a lie. There's only one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Here's the second, John Travolta. John Travolta, when I was 21 years old, he says, I found Scientology, and that gave me kind of a sanity. I think, after death that the body ends and you as a spirit go on. He said, it's up to you what you're going to do. If you want to get back in another body or you just want to hang out, this whatever you feel like. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But he has a platform and he has influence. The truth is found here. Richard Gere, how many has ever heard of him? Oh, yeah, you talk about a swooner and a great actor. Here's what he says. Buddhism is a gradual process as the mind is familiarized with another way, hopefully the correct way, so it is a process that takes on several lifetimes. Last time I checked, you got one gift, one life. And it is the life you are living now. And then George Lucas said, I put, here he is, I put the force in Star Wars in order to try to awaken a certain kind of spirituality in young people, more a belief in God than any belief in any particular religious system. Hello, George. Bruce Willis, finally, bad boy. There are many people who interpret the Bible literally. Literally, he says. I choose not to believe that's the way. And that's what makes America cool, you know. Well, let me tell you something, America. If that's what you believe, you better enjoy the cool now because it's going to get hot before it gets over. How many know what I'm talking about? Going to get hot. So here it is. Let's face this reality. Jesus is coming back. And the organization, organism that he left behind to say, I want you to get the message out happens to be seated in this room, happens to be watching online. So let's take a look at at three brief points here today. We'll determine how brief they are at the end of the message today. Say this with me, time is borrowed and short. Say it together, time is borrowed and short. It is the story of Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, buried. Our text is that parable shared by Jesus over and over again. He's in a very wealthy, influential, prominent Pharisee's house. He's sharing one parable after another, and the text talks about the rich man and Lazarus. And we know that there are many truths that can be brought out of this portion of Scripture. But here it is. It reveals the heart of God about evangelism. It reveals the heart of God how short time is. And so God says, I want you to understand this, that God sent his Son. Why? To give an answer to this story. Here it is, John 3, 16. Let's read it together. Can we do that? Here we go. Everybody on three. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but, but have what? Everlasting life. Listen to me carefully. Everybody you know that you are conscious of right now that's breathing will either go to heaven or they will go to hell. It is the devil's desire to work overtime through influencers like these individuals that I mentioned to you today to be certain that they miss heaven or miss heaven and wind in hell. They don't say that. And the only way people are going to avoid hell is for the church of Jesus Christ to declare our commission as a command and get in their way and declare there is a better way and his name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Well, you say, wow, what's worse, these people purporting what they believe. Oh, there are many ways, many different ways to God, many different ways. You say, that's really bad. Do you know what's worse than that? Is for someone to know the truth and not share it. That's right, amen. Come on now, now you're preaching. For someone to know we ought to be doing it, but we don't. The most important responsibility is to embrace the commission and command of Jesus Christ. If we don't, if we don't, people will die, and they will, in fact, perish. God so loved the world. It was Jesus' last command before his ascension. And here's what it looks like. My preparation for this message, I thought, I don't want to take it for granted. Everybody knows what the Great Commission looks like. But just in case there are those that do not know it, here it is. Matthew happens to be in the 28th chapter, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. By the way, those of you going to Israel with me in uh, March, uh, first part of the year, you're going to be there in Galilee. You're going to see where this transpired. In Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but somewhat Doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do what? To obey everything I have commanded you. To do what? To obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So, if I were to leave here and I'm taking notes today and say, did I get enough to keep me busy so far? Absolutely. You already have a truckload of things that we now are reminded that we should be doing that the church today. Now, let me take a minute here. I love worship, I love reading the Bible, but I don't worship worship. I love reading the Bible. But unless I bow my heart and my head and confess my sins to Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive me, there is no way I'm going to go to heaven no matter how much I may worship. And we live in a culture today in the church world that the church is saying, this is what I want. If you can't give it to me, I'll go elsewhere. Here's what I say to you. If you really want to catch fire, You really want to please God. Find somebody and begin to encourage them in Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you get those individuals in the hopper, here's what I will begin to see seated beside you will be people that I've never seen before that you brought to church. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Come on. I told you you wouldn't shout me down, but I know this is the truth. I get carried away in enjoying myself here. I enjoy making my own fun. I enjoy life. But I have a sobering responsibility to remember why I was created and why you were created. That's the fellowship with God and thank you for His grace. But then it was to roll up our sleeves and say, everybody I know needs to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because time is borrowed and time is short. Amen. It will be gone before you know it. So can we take that message to heart in ourselves? Here's what James 4:14 says. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So here's what we have to do. We have to confront our own apathy. You have to confront your own immortality, your own insecurities, and understand that, hey, God, I, I just need to invite somebody. I need to do that all the time. I need to do it. And the time came when the beggar died. Lazarus died. Time ran out. The rich man died, and time ran out. Psalms 9, 12, For he who avenges blood remembers... He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. Number two, there is a point of no return. A point of no return. A friend of W.C. Phil's visited him when he was sick unto death in the hospital. He looked at W.C. when he walked in and feebly, W.C. had a Bible in his hand. It was a Gideon Bible. His friend said to W.C. Phil's, what in the world are you doing? He'd never seen him with a Bible before. His lifestyle certainly was not Christian. What in the world are you doing? And the best way that he knew how to say it, he said, I'm I'm through thumbing through this book, looking for loopholes. There are no loopholes. The truth is, the truth is we get second chances, third chances, and fourth chances. But when it's time that God calls our number and says, time is up, we certainly need to know that we have answered that through bowing our heart to the Lord. And then not just praying a prayer as a little boy, not praying a prayer as a teenager and say, well, I got that tucked away, and you just live like the devil. Because when you truly know that you have repented in serving God, your life changes and you begin to follow after the principles and the teachings of the Word of God. How important is that? So the rich man died. He went into torment, and we know that he cried for pity. He cried to Lazarus, who was in Abraham's care. He acknowledged Lazarus and his value. Sorry, I overlooked you, buddy. And he reached that time and thought, now, time is gone. And so it was. He said, I I need Lazarus to come and just touch the tip of my tongue. And Abraham replied, We are separated with a great chasm. There is something between us that there are no second chances. It's a true story. I've seen it many times. A young girl was raised in the church when she was a fifteen years of age. Her mom and dad got a divorce which is traumatic on any child, friend, at any age. She left church, didn't want to go anymore, began to hang out with the wrong crowd, began to do things that shocked her mother, became rebellious, but her mother kept praying, kept believing. She became a young woman, graduated from the university, in the university environment, and her Christian testimony certainly was not strong at all. She denied even knowing God. She said and did things, said and did things that betrayed any faith that she may have had. Finally, the moment came in which the doctors had told her, we've done everything that we can do. How many times had mama invited her to church? How many times had mama prayed for her? How many times had mama said, sweetie, don't do that. God's not pleased with that. Oh, don't give me this God thing. I'm not into that. She lived life with no boundaries. But in the hospital, weak, mom tried again. We just say the sinner's prayer? No, Mom, I'm not saying any kind of a prayer. During the night, she had a dream, a vision. She screamed in panic, awakened Mom who was there. And she said, Mom, who's been in the room? There's some presence here in the room. And her mom said, no one's here, darling. She said, oh, yeah. She said, I heard a voice and saw a presence. What did they say? He said, read Ezekiel 7, verses 8 and 9. Mom, what is that? What is that? Mom said, let me look. She looked at Ezekiel 7, 8 and 9, and she read it. And when she read it, Mom's heart sank. Here's what it said. I'm about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity or spare you. I will repay you in accordance with your conduct and the detestable practice among you. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who strikes the blow. Mom read that weeping. She said, darling, God spoke to you let me pray. I don't need prayer, mama. It's not a God I want to serve. The Bible says that the enemy has blinded the minds of people so they cannot see the truth. But it is the church's responsibility to reveal the truth the power of prayer. Can you imagine with me, think in your mind, how many people you know, now let's let's give it the acid test, you'll know them by the fruit they manifest. Somebody goes around and said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and you never see any Christian fruit out of their life. Let me tell you something, said. you will know them by the fruit they bear. If there's no fruit, they're believing a lie. How could you judge them by what the Bible says if there's no fruit? And there are many individuals that you know right now that if the rapture were to take place and the trumpet should sound and the dead in Christ would arise and those of us who are alive and and remain shall be caught up to meet in the Lord. Unfortunately, there'd be many people you know that would not make that rapture. And God says, and I put you in their path to share with them about me. To share with them. Do you know in some of our Arab countries, in the deep populations there, when our missionaries cannot even be known as missionaries, they're known as school teachers? and they're ministering privately underground, did you know that many of those Arab people are receiving visions of Jesus Christ and coming to faith by the scores because they have never seen anything like that? Church, the enemy will put us to sleep unless messages of this nature from time to time don't bring us to a place of truth and say, hey, do what I called you to do. In that moment, you see, God cares about us. And after our last breath is the day of judgment. Finally, the third is the word is stronger than a sign. People have said to me, Pastor, I just know if you go to see them, that they'll get right with God. Well, I've tried that, and I still go. But I don't have the kind of power to save anybody. I have prayed and prayed with people in their last breath to say a sinner's prayer. And may I report to you that I have never found one laying out in the middle of a highway, under a cement truck, under a semi, in a car accident, laying in the middle of a four-lane highway, that when I got there and they were conscious, I've said, can I pray a prayer with you just in case? Will you pray this prayer after me? Yes. And in a moment's notice, I've not found one who refused to pray the prayer. And here's what I know, they're just as saved as I am they won't have the record of works but they made it in so here we go Luke 16 29 Abraham replied they have Moses and the prophets let them listen to them no father Abraham he said but if someone comes from the dead goes to them they'll repent he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they'll not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You know what the rich man is concerned about? My family. Those that I'm related to, get to them. I don't want them to suffer this torment. I don't want them here. I'm, I'm just please, have somebody, let Lazarus come back to life and go back and tell them. Abraham's response was, hey, they have the word. They have Moses, they have the prophet. He said, if they won't listen to that, that is the the Word of God. He said, no supernatural event is going to take place that will make them believe because nothing supersedes the authority and the anointing of this book right here. Amen? That's why we need to read it and be prepared. You see, God cares about, because of the Word of God, there is an anointing upon us and a power and a person. So let's talk about the Word. It's found in John 1, verses 1 through 5. And in the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was what? God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made without Him. Nothing was made that has been made. In Him was what? Life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Why do they understand? Because they have to have, how shall they hear, except the preacher, just the word behind leather cover will not do it alone necessarily. It takes a person who then explains that word, who becomes the light, holds them by the hand, and walks them through the process to know who Jesus Christ is. Our job. God, help me. The word is stronger than just a sign. We forget the Word of God was never meant to replace by some sign or some miracle or supernatural event. Send Lazarus. They'll listen to him. They have Moses and the prophets, the rich man, appealed again. And, and Abraham answered, Luke 16, 31, if they do not listen to most of the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone comes back to life. What do you mean by that? You remember 9-11? Any of you? Do you remember how full the churches were for about a month? And did you know after about a month that church attendance dropped lower than it was before 9-11 ever took place, church attendance dropped below. Do you know why? Because once again, human nature realized I can be confronted with a major challenge and tragedy that challenges my life as an individual on this earth, and I can survive. And they did. So what does God do? We went through economic depression. Little by little, you watch carefully the things that God is allowing to happen just to get our attention just to cause us to remember it's our job it's our job and if we don't i told a group gathered around actually a couple millionaires that are friends of mine in the lobby and i began to talk to them as in endeavoring to impact them with the word of this message I said, when a sinner dies, time's up. Judgment came in the form of eternal death, damnation, pain, and torment. That's what the Bible says. You don't get a second chance then. If when you breathe that last breath, that's it, you're going to be in torment. Nobody can rescue from that. But I said, for those of us who are Christians, I said, we get judged by our works. When we die... How many people did you win? Did you go to church? Did you let your light shine? Were you good? Were you courteous? Did you let people out in the parking lot? Did you let your faith shine? Did you just encourage other people and and minister and nourish them? He said, "You're judged by those works for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." So I said, "Gentlemen, we get ju- we get judged." Us, we Christians, because of what we do. One of them spoke up and said, watch him now. He's getting ready to start preaching again. I said, yeah, and you give me another 30 seconds, and I'll be taking an offering. Amen. Amen. I desire this message as God laid it on my heart to speak the truth to you. I want to see after this message people seated with you because you got busy. I want to see prayer requests. Pray for my, this one. I want to see more prayer. I want to see us awaken to the fact that it's our responsibility. I don't want to know more about politics and more about sports and more about any sport than I know about the value of what it means to speak to someone about Jesus Christ. Come go with me to church. I'll take you out after dinner. I'll take you out after church. We'll go to McDonald's. In other words, the point is, that's important. If we fail to do it, we have missed God. Well, wow, how unfortunate is that? And what does this mean? God has given us the Great Commission. He's given us the tool of evangelism. Opportunity is there. And everything that we need. Someone said in one of D.L. Moody's meetings, Oh, Reverend Moody, I've been on the mountain of transfiguration. Moody said, is that right? Oh, yes, I've been on the mountain of Mount Transfiguration. He said, you have. Well, what was that like, Moody asked him. Oh, it was unbelievable. Moody said, well, let me ask you this question. Did you win anybody to Jesus? He said, well, I don't know that I did. Moody said, are you trying to tell me that you don't know whether or not you won any, you didn't reach down from that pinnacle of spiritual ecstasy? You didn't reach down and touch anyone or win them to Jesus Christ? And the individual said, no, I didn't. And D.L. Moody said, you weren't on the mountain of self of transfiguration you're on the mountain of self-service. Because if you've ever been on the mountain of transformation, you'll want everybody you know to be changed. Everybody. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power. We know your word says that no man comes to the Father. No man is drawn to the Father Except through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I sense strong conviction among us this morning. It should be. It should be strong enough to let us get in gear. It should be strong enough to, should be strong enough to cause us to get active. God, here at Victory Church, we do feeding programs but not without the presentation of the gospel. We help Salvation Army, helping people, but not without the message of the gospel. We have concerts here, Mandeza, Petra's coming, but not just to entertain, but to be able to have an opportunity that Jesus Christ is lifted up God, we, may we be a light in the midst of the darkness in this community. May we not be afraid to just gently and lovingly do the simple things of getting in the way of someone who might be on their way to darkness and they don't even know it. Let us remember the opportunities that you have given us. Let us remember the favor. We didn't choose you. You chose us. You gave us favor. You redeemed us. You rescued us. We weren't born into a home, maybe, many of us, that were a bunch of reprobates that cared not about God. And Father, there are more children this morning in the homes of parents who have not in any way formed that child's mind about church or God Some of us have individuals in our families that just don't go to worship. Do not go to church on a consistent basis. Father, and they have little kids. Oh, Lord Jesus, do not let that activity continue without interruption from those who feel the call. And then, Lord, do not let this call, the call to reach the commandment, to practice it. Do not let it leave us lightly. May it be a yoke around our neck, and may we be reminded that we were saved for a purpose, and that's to be a light in the darkness. Oh God, help us. Help Victory Church do what we're supposed to do. Would you, everyone, stand and keep your heads bowed and would you repeat this prayer after me in case there's someone in this room right now that doesn't know Jesus? You're not really convinced, you're not sold out, you tiptoe in here from time to time, but you get outside the church, you live like the devil. No one would even know on your job that you are a professing believer. Well, you might even be a church goer. There's a difference in being just a church goer and being a follower of Jesus Christ. And today's the day that you make the kind of commitment that costs you something that says, Jesus, I will spend my life as long as you give me breath endeavoring to do your will. To build your kingdom. So I'm to ask you to repeat this for everyone, please. Dear Jesus,
1: dear Jesus forgive
0: me. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. And let me live for you. Let me, live for you. Let me not shy away from the call of God you have given to me. You've given to me. Let me be a light. In the darkness, In the darkness. I, confess my sins, I confess my sins, and I declare you are Lord. You are Lord. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, amen. I received a letter from a young person, a teenager that appealed to me. Said, one of my parents is an alcoholic. It's so bad they pass out. They go to victory. But it's so bad, pastor. As a child, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I don't want my parent to die and not go to heaven. Is there anything you can do? I could feel the emotion out of the lines on that handwritten letter I said in the name of Jesus Christ right now over this parent God I pray strong conviction would rain down upon them I pray someone will step to the plate and befriend that individual and take them by the hand Until, number one, they have received forgiveness of all their sins. And number two, by the grace of God, whip that angry demon of alcoholism and put it in its place in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know what? We have the right to pray that way and to take matters under God in our own hands. If you'll pray for that individual you don't even know, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'll take that person to prayer. God can do it. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, James 5, 14, any sick among you, any afflicted, Pastor, I've heard that scripture, then act on it. God can heal you, touch you. Don't come up to me in the lobby after this altar service is over. Pastor, would you pray for me? Because re- uh, 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 I'm telling you right now, here's how God's doing it right now. Come on in the altar. Amen? That's God's plan. It's not later, not corner me somewhere. It's come right now. Fess it up and say, that's the Word of God. And it's time we begin to function by what the Bible says. Amen? Y'all still with me out there, aren't you? All right. And then I'm going to ask you for prayer. I have eye surgery, Tuesday, four o'clock, Tuesday, four o'clock. I'll go under, then I'll go in recovery, then I'll go back into the operating room for the second part with a different surgeon. So I'm asking you for prayer. How many will promise to pray for me in a positive way? Just thought I ought to add that. For some of you after this message, some of you ain't going to like me much. But anyway... So we're going to sing, and you need prayer, you come on down right now. Amen? Here we go.